0: Welcome to day 64 of The Story That Changes Everything. Our readings for today are the final chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 32 through 34. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 32 functions like a kind of poetic lawsuit between God and Israel, in which Yahweh is both the plaintiff and the judge. In the opening verses, verses one through six, the poem celebrates the faithfulness and fidelity of God versus the lack of faith and the infidelity of the people even though it was God who gave them life, the people neglected that gift and pursued other gods. Verses 7 through 18 retell and reflect on the events of the past. In verse 18, there's a word or a title, Jeshurun, which appears four times in Deuteronomy and only one other time in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah. It's a term that represents God's people, but it's a term of affection that means the upright. However, it's two uses in this chapter are meant as sarcasm. Those who are called the upright have been anything but living rightly. Instead, the text refers to them as fat and rebellious. And that's not so much a comment about their body type as it is their heart. They've become self-sufficient and selfish. To be fat or overfed in the scripture is a way of describing a self-centered and apathetic spirit. In verses 19 through 25, God erupts in justice in response. God pays back Israel for their infidelity. However, in verses 26 through 43, even judgment has its limits. God again works graciously to restore and deliver the people. Verses 44 through 47 express how urgent this message is and the people need to respond now in faith. And then the final verses of the chapter, verses 48 through 52, Moses heads up the mountain to see the entirety of the promised land and prepares to be gathered to his ancestors. His final act is recorded in chapter 33. Here, in a way very similar to the last act of Jacob in Genesis chapter 49, Moses blesses all 12 tribes of Israel. He addresses and gives unique blessing to each tribe. Toward the end of the blessing, verses 26 through 29, Moses seems to connect his blessing together with that blessing from Jacob. Israel, the Jeshurun, or upright, should rejoice because they now live in safety. Jacob's residence is secure in a land full of grain and wine where the heavens drip dew. Then in the final chapter, chapter 24, after bestowing his blessing, Moses departs the plains of Moab and climbs Mount Nebo. From there, Moses can see the whole of the Promised Land, and after taking all of it in, he dies. The text says that Moses died at 120 years old. One wonders if this number is perhaps symbolic, since there are 12 tribes and 12 usually represents the people of God, if part of the point is Moses didn't just live a long time, but he lived in a way that fully embodied and fully connected— to the twelve tribes, and to God's people. So what is the meaning of Moses' death in this last chapter of Deuteronomy? His death at least indicates that a single lifetime is too short to complete the mission of God. God's story is ongoing and unfolds through multiple generations, and not even Moses, Israel's most significant leader, is an exception to that. His life, as important as it is, is just one episode in the story of God. Notice how the text describes Moses as still full of life and strength when he died. He died primarily because his responsibilities were accomplished, but he lived into them fully until the very end. The empowerment for leadership is passed on to Joshua. Moses is Israel's greatest leader, but even he is not indispensable because ultimately, it's God who is forming and leading and filling the people. There's a fascinating note in the text, in verse 6, that no one knows the location of Moses' burial site. It's interesting that Moses' life will not be remembered by pilgrims making trips to his tomb, but will be embodied in the words of Torah and in the people who live them out. The work that God accomplished in and through Moses requires a new generation to pick it up and carry it forward, and Joshua will be the primary representative for that generation And it's to his journey that we will turn beginning tomorrow. So, congratulations on making it through the entire Torah. We've journeyed a long way with God's people, and there's still a long way to go. I don't know everything you will take away from these last few books of the Torah or Law, but here are the things that jump out to me. The primary call upon God's people is to be holy as God is holy. And that holiness implies first that there should be some ceremonial aspects to the holy life. Ceremonial holiness will certainly look different now than it did in the wilderness of Israel. But the question of how God's people are to be different from the world is still a very important question today as it was then. To say yes to loving God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength will mean saying no to many things in the world. Secondly, Rituals matter. We become who we are through all kinds of practices, both cultural and religious, and so, like Israel, we should pay close attention to the various liturgies or practices that are shaping our desires and imaginations, and give ourselves over to those rituals and practices on a regular basis that best form us into the image of God. Third, I take away that our bodies matter. The call to be holy is a call to honor God in our relationships of intimacy and in the health of our families, and in the disciplining of our desires. And fourth, our neighbor matters. The holy love of God is to be extended to others, particularly to those who find themselves in places and moments of vulnerability and marginalization. So read these final chapters of Deuteronomy carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, your prayers, and questions, and listen to the Lord, and don't forget who God has called you to be. We start our journey into Joshua tomorrow with chapters 1 through 3 and with Psalm 27. I'll talk to you tomorrow.